Amen. All right. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew chapter number 16. Everybody should be happy today. All your teams won. Say amen. Amen. Unless you're a Georgia fan and that you're in mourning right now. My wife, she's in mourning. She's over that. As a matter of fact, I'm in mourning because I want a Tennessee to lose. Amen. And if you're a Tennessee fan, deal with it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Matthew chapter number 16. I tell you what, it is so, so, so good to be in the Lord's house with the Lord's people. <clears throat> everybody, I, I want to thank everybody uh, for all the prayers and all of the uh, offers of help and all the, the gifts and er everything that y'all have done for my family. Sometimes uh, you know what you have, but then it just comes to, to realization that you got a lot more than what you thought you had uh, when, when things like this happen. And, uh, uh, but I, I do. I want to thank everybody for your prayers and everything with the, with the fire last week. Uh, uh, I, I, I complained about Tammy's food, and she took it serious and got carried away. I don't know. Uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, thank God she's not here. Amen. No, it, it, it has been a, a, a truly a real, real blessing. And not just that. Man, just to see how God works things out the way he does. He can take anything and make a blessing out of it. And I, I do. I, I have the greatest neighbors in the world, uh, the greatest church in the world, in my opinion. And, uh, and I do. I thank you. And if I've missed any messages or any... Getting back to anybody, I, I do apologize. Uh, I, I've tried, but I, I just it's, I've, it's been kind of overwhelming. So, uh, so if that did, I'm saying it now. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, uh, let's get on with it. Amen. I'm ready to get this out and over with. And everybody, I want everybody to know I'm all right. My family's all right. Everybody's all right. Uh, it's, it's all good. Say amen. 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 All right. Matthew chapter number 16. Now, now listen, we're not, we're not going to quit on 1 Peter. We're going to get back to that. But God has kind of started a series just a couple weeks ago on, on dealing with life and thinking about life, not just the life here on this earth, but the life to come. Sometimes we can get so consumed with this life that we forget about the next life. And I'm here to tell you, the next life is a lot longer than this life. Are you all with me? So, so let's, let's continue with that. In, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 13. Verse number 13. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now that is, that is the million-dollar question. That is the question every human being on this earth will have to answer in his lifetime. Listen. The answer to this question and how you answer this question will determine where you spend eternity. So I would choose my answer well. Who do men say that I am? What do men think of me? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ. The word Christ is Messiah, Deliverer, Savior, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, the, uh, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will... Uh, uh, 
I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Now here's, a, here's an important three words. From that time, from the time of their confession, from the time of them declaring, we believe you are the Christ, their confession of salvation, if you will. It says, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then who? You know the one that was just being blessed? The one that was just confessing Christ? The one that was just saying, yes, you're the one. You're the one we've been waiting on. You're the one that we've heard about. We believe in you. Everything's wonderful. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. You imagine rebuking Jesus? Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me who? Isn't it, isn't it amazing? You could be a blessed saint one minute and the devil the next. And before you get upset at Peter, we all got that potential. Amen? And I'm going to show you. Thou art an offense unto me. You're a stumbling block, he says. You're a hindrance. You're getting in the way. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now here's, here's re really the thought I want to I I put out there. Uh, and this is kind of what God has given me the message. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your mercy, your kindness. Lord, thank you for just being in this service today, being with us and meeting with us. Now, Lord, we pray that you'll use the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. We, we, we ask you to have your free reign. Move in every heart, move in every life. Lord, let this message permeate our hearts. And Lord, let us receive it. Not only receive it, but let us apply it and use it for your glory. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> last Saturday, uh, last Saturday, y'all know what happened and, 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 and the fire at the house and all that. I, I got a call from Tammy and she said, hurry home, uh, hurry home, we've got a fire. I told her, I told her, I said, there's a water hose right beside the house. And uh, apparently, I wasn't on the same page with her. Uh, she, she, she explained to me in, in no uncertain terms that that water hose was not big enough. And so I tore out, and, and, and we were coming home, and, you know, 100,000 things run through your mind. Uh, and, 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 and how many of you have ever noticed that when you get in a hurry, only slow people get in front of you? 
and I, and I can't really drive like I want to drive because they may recognize my truck. And so here I am, I'm, 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 I'm trying to hurry home as fast as I can, and, 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 I, and I, I get down our road, and, and as soon as I come over the road, about the time I turn at 157, uh, I see the fire trucks, some of the fire trucks coming out of the, the West Point Fire Department there, and I'm thinking, oh, no. And, and so I, I come down our road, and, and when I come over the hill, I, I, it, it was amazing. I, I, saw, I saw just just cars and trucks parked on the side road, flashers flashing, and, 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 and then ambulances and fire trucks and all this kind of stuff, people running all around. And then I get there, and, 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 and a lot of my neighbors were there, and they were helping, and we were trying to get stuff away from the fire that, so that it wouldn't burn too. And, and, and just, I mean, just a multitude of people uh, that were there, and, and, and a lot of the multitude of people had no idea or no clue who I was. Total stranger to them. And and this week, man, that's really been that's really been uh, in my head and and thinking about this whole deal and 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 so here I, I sit and I look at all of these people who are doing their best because they didn't know uh, what the deal was, they didn't know who was in danger, they didn't know what was going on. All they knew is there was a fire, there was an issue, there was a problem, and so they came to save a life. They came to rescue whatever was in distress, whatever it was, whoever it was, we want to come. I, I, remember, I remember the same thing that happened when lightning hit the house right here behind the church when we was having a work day. And, and man, everybody here at the church, we jumped in our cars and we run out there to try to make sure to get them out of the house. We were trying to save a life. And what kind of an effort? I mean, these people are total strangers, but they are stopped in my house and doing everything they can. They want to save a life. There is a natural instinct, a natural uh, 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 something that God has put in every one of us, a desire for survival. Man, I, I have read stories of people who, who were literally, they were stuck in maybe a rock cavern or whatever and cut their own arm off just to survive or do whatever we got to do to survive. We have such a survival, we want to save our life. We will risk our lives to save someone else's life. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And, and, and that thought, saving a life, we're so serious and it's so real about saving a life. The doctors will go in right away. Listen, they'll rush around and they'll get somebody in. If somebody's having a heart issue or whatever, they'll rush them right in. And Hey, listen, we got to save a life. This is important. This is serious. This is, this is a crisis situation. We have to save a have to save a life i mean it's serious it's always there there's always that 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 strong desire and here is the problem that that same instinct that same desire that same will if you will to save a life sometimes we allow it in our spiritual life and sometimes we allow it into the place that we are so hard-headed and we are so stubborn that God wants us to have a certain life, but we see a life that we desire, or we see a life that we want, or we see something that's there, and we want to hold on so hard or so strong to that that God has something better, and we can't even see it. And in this verse, over and over, I was thinking about all that was going on this week, and this verse, He that saveth his life shall lose it. He that loses his life for my sake shall find it. And, 
And man, I, I come back to these verses, and I, I want to give you an outline, I, I, and just a truth, and, and then we'll pray today. Uh, but really, the first two points are kind of like an intro, and the message is in the third point. So here's what I want you to see. I want you to see it from Peter's point of view. And, and now, Jesus has, spent, Jesus has spent three years with his disciples. He has spent three years teaching them. He has spent three years training them. He has spent three years of miracle working, uh, three years of telling them that, that, that there's going to be a kingdom and you're going to rule and reign with me. Man, they're all about it too. I mean, they're all about it. They are so all about it. They're arguing over who's going to sit on what side of the throne with Jesus. Are y'all with me? They're healing blinded eyes. They're healing lame legs. They even see Jesus. Listen, he's raising the dead and they're all about it. Man, this is great. This is wonderful. Our Messiah has come. He is here. The Deliverer is here. And we're His followers. Not only that, we're His closest followers. Not only that, Peter was one of the three amigos. Peter, James, and John. There was a closer relationship with Peter, James, and John than any of the rest of them. And, 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 and Jesus took them to the Mount of Transfiguration. He took them into other places. They were his closest unit. And, and listen, Peter was tight. And he says, who do men say that I am? This is a question of salvation. Who do men say that I am? Who Jesus is to you will determine your eternal destiny. If Jesus is your Messiah... If he is your savior, if he is your deliverer, if you think he was just a healer, if you think he was just a good man, if you think like some that he was just a prophet of some religion, then you've missed the whole thing. You've got to know that he is your savior. He is your Lord. He is the coming king. Say amen. Because the answer to this question determines your eternal destiny. So here we have Peter's confession. Peter's confession. Peter said, I tell you what, we believe that thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So he has a confession. He is saying, I'm a believer. I'm saved. All right, let's use that terminology so it's something we can relate to. So a person gets saved. A person comes out of the world. They meet Jesus. He is their Savior. He is their Messiah. He is their Deliverer. And they get saved. Now, is that enough? Apparently not. Apparently not, because then we not only see Peter's uh, confession, but then we see Peter's conflict. We see Peter's conflict. Now watch it, watch. You remember, remember when I said that phrase, from this time? Remember a while ago I said this is important right here. Because Jesus never instructed them on what was fixing to happen to him till he got their confession. When he realized and he got them to the place they were supposed to be, as far as belief, salvation, if you want to use that term, whatever, then he began to explain to them what was fixing to happen. Now, but there's only one problem. Peter's all about walking on water. Peter's all about seeing the, the lame walk again. Peter's all about see, loving seeing blind people see again. Peter's all about feeding the 5,000. Peter's all about uh, ruling and reigning. And, and Peter's all about the goodness and greatness of salvation and the blessings of salvation, the provisions of salvation, the protection of salvation. Man, I'm all about that. But just let God ask something hard from you. 
Jesus said, I'm fixing to go die. Not only am I going to die, it ain't going to be pretty. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be killed. And this is what Peter said. Whoa! Whoa! Now, I don't know about y'all. I, I know some of y'all are kind of critical of Peter because, you know, he made mistakes and he, he denied the Lord a couple of times and, 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 and actually three and, and, and all that. And, 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 but I tell you what, I can relate more to Peter than any of them. You see, here's how, here's how we are as Christians. Here's how we are as Christians. We'll come to church as a lost person. And the preacher will preach on salvation and deliverance. And we'll preach on the goodness of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. And, and listen, that's wonderful. That's good news to a sinner. Now, if you're a perfect person, that don't mean nothing to you. But if you're a sinner, if you've had issues in your life, if you've had problems in your life, if you have a life that has a past, man, it tickles you to death to know that there's amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, thank God for the mercy and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Say amen. And man, we fall right into that. Man, I want to sing that amazing grace. I want to get in all that. Yes. And boy, you love the part when I say God shall supply every need according to his riches and glory. Yes, I'm all about him taking care of me. I'm all about him paying my bills. I'm all about him healing me when I'm sick. I'm all about all that stuff. But you let God ask us to sacrifice. You let the Lord, you let the Lord, oh, huh, mm. we like him as the Messiah, but when he goes to acting like the Lord, what do you mean, preacher? We like him being our sacrifice. We like him being on the cross instead of us. We like him being our Savior. We like him being our deliverer, our hero. But when he goes to telling us what to do, when he goes to bossing us around, let me, let me say it this way. <laughs> when he goes to asking you to go through something, hard maybe it's cancer maybe it's a tragedy maybe maybe it's a sickness maybe 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 it's a financial difficulty Maybe it's a time of drought and, and wilderness where it's very difficult and you can't see the next step in front of you. And maybe, maybe you don't know exactly how you're going to make And God's asking you to trust Him. How many of us, how many of us, I'm, I'm putting us, how many of us will stand up and say, wait a minute! And we want to rebuke Jesus. Now listen, I'm all in on the salvation part, but you mean I got to do something? Wait a minute, preacher. I just like coming to church and singing and everything and listening to y'all singing, having a good time and feeling good about it. But now you, you mean I got to, God's expecting me to do something? 
be it far from thee. Now I want you to see, this is the message. I want you to see Peter's confrontation. How many of y'all are saved in here? Come on, raise your hand, raise your hand. Now listen, I'm going to tell everybody, I'm going to tell everybody, you're my family. I love you and you love me. You're supposed to anyway. When we get an attitude with God, He will confront us. Now, if you don't belong to Him, you're not going to get confronted. But then you're in worse shape than that. But I, this, is what, this is what Jesus says. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> you, you probably, you know, Satan. Just two verses before, he said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Not only, not only did he say, Blessed art thou, but he gave him some responsibilities. He said, listen, you're going you're gonna to basically unlock the door of salvation and you're gonna, you're, he's going to, in Acts 2 and Acts 8 and Acts 10, it was Simon Peter who brought salvation to the Jews, who brought it to the Samaritans in Acts 8 and then to the Gentiles in Acts 10. He was instrumental. God used him to, to share the grace of salvation and the completion of the church. It was Peter that did all that. That's what Jesus was talking about in these verses. Preacher, what's your point? You can be a Christian... You can not only be a Christian, but you can be a Christian with great responsibilities and a good Christian and get sidetracked. You can be a great Christian and be close to Jesus and have something happen to make you question the sanity of God. You mean to tell, you're going to do what? Am I preaching to anybody today? Be it far from thee. So Jesus had to straighten Peter out. Now I want you to, this is, this is the message. Those, those, you can write them, the other things if you want to or not, don't matter to me, but please don't miss these. What was Peter's problem? I mean, he's the closest to Jesus, really, out of all of them. He had the greatest responsibility given to him when it comes to the New Testament church, and, 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 and he got to do things that other people didn't get to do. Nobody else walked on water, say amen. So what was, it, what was it that got Peter so sidetracked? What was it that got Peter to, to thinking like he was thinking, so opposite, so opposite of what God was thinking? All right, three things I want you to write down. First, I want you to write this down. I want you to write down the problem that's identified. The problem that's identified. And this is going to be real practical, guys. Everybody's going to get some help right here. He said, get thee behind me. Come on, everybody. Get thee behind me. You see, there is a wicked influence in everybody's life. He is the adversary. Who was it? Who was it? that said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion who roams about seeking whom he may devour. It was Peter. 
You say, how did, why does, how does he know that? Because he still had bite marks in his behind. Say amen. Peter knew about the adversary. Peter had experienced the adversary. He had, listen, he had great experience with the adversary because the adversary was influencing his thinking. He wasn't necessarily saying that he was the devil, but he was identifying that there was an influence coming from Satan in the thinking of Peter for Peter to be responding the way he is. Now let me explain that. Satan is all about getting us to think selfishly. Satan is all about getting us to think about I, I, I. You say, why does he do that? Because that's how he did it. If you'll remember, when when Satan was the anointed cherub, when Satan was the angelic angel, the the greatest, probably the greatest angel in heaven, and he was in charge of the worship in heaven, he, he was not satisfied with that. He was not satisfied with his high exalted position. He was not satisfied with his beauty. He was not satisfied with the blessing and the honor and the privilege of standing in the very glory of a great God and reflecting the glory of God. He was not satisfied with all that. He said, I will be like God. I will be like the Most High. I will put my throne above the stars and above the heaven. I, 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 and guess what? It got him kicked out of glory. But Satan was about I, selfishness, selfish motivation. It's about me. It's about what I want. It's about what I desire. And that was the same thing that he did in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He got them to thinking selfishly. He got them to thinking that God, a great God who created them, who blessed them, who provided for them, who put them in a perfect environment. He got Adam and Eve to thinking that God was holding out on them and that they deserved better and they they went after I. What do you mean hold out that fruit? I want that. It was pleasant to the I. Are y'all with me? It was the same thing the devil did in the wilderness with Jesus. He says, you're hungry. You're God's son. You deserve better than this. You need, won't you turn these stones into bread? Now he's saying, but he said, if thou, if thou be the son of God. He knew who he was. Don't ever, don't ever let it cross your mind that Satan didn't know who Jesus was. He knew who he was, but he was trying to get Jesus to operate outside of the Father's will. He was trying to get Jesus to operate independently on his own, basically selfishly. But he didn't take the bait. Say amen. So what is, what is, what is Satan doing now with Peter when it comes to sacrifice? when it comes to suffering, when it comes to difficulty in our life, when it comes to hardship or hardness, he's wanting Peter to act selfishly. And I'm telling you, every single human being will have this fight every day of their life. The devil wants you to say, you deserve it. Do you realize in all of the marketing today, in all of the secular world, the marketing today, they're promoting, it's about you? Watch this. You deserve a break today at, uh-huh, I deserve this Big Mac. I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care what the diet requires. I deserve these french fries. 
Oh, I must be hitting a nerve. I was telling myself this week, bless God, my house is on fire. I deserve this Milky Way. <laughs> you know, we got to laugh to keep from crying. How many times? Now watch, now watch. Watch, everybody. Not only do I deserve this Big Mac, I don't deserve this grief I'm going through. I don't deserve these problems I'm experiencing. And you know what? Satan will jump right on your shoulder. Oh, my goodness gracious. You poor thing. If God loved you, you wouldn't be going through this. Really? If God loved us, we wouldn't be going through that? Well, God loved his son more than anything. But it said it pleased him to bruise him. Say, so why? So we could be free. And how many times have we had that satanic influence jump on our shoulder when we were going through a hard time or we were going through a difficulty, we experienced a tragedy, we experienced a difficulty, and God said, you don't deserve this. Now, I'm not, I'm, I know y'all probably a lot more spiritual than I am and blessed, but I, I'm sorry, I got to. And the bad part was, sometimes I listen. Now, it's not bad, it's not bad for Satan to do that because that's his job, right? He's very persistent. It's bad when you go to saying, you're right. That's, that's when it gets... Now, here's the thing. The problem that's identified Jesus, i tell you what your problem is, Peter. You, there's a wicked influence right now. Satan is motivating your thought process. He's wanting you to get to thinking about you. And guys, I want everybody to know this, and, and maybe this will come out toward the end of the message, but, but we've got to understand this whole thing has never been about us. It's been always about him. A wicked influence. Not only that. Not only that. Wrong Wrong interest. Wrong interest. He said, Thou savorest the things that be of men and not God. In other words, you're not wanting what God wants. You're wanting what you want. Now think about that, guys. What are your desires? What are your plans? I'll, I'll tell you this. Now let me say this. I... <laughs> There's been things in my life i got to admit that God wanted, but I didn't. Matter of fact, what I'm doing right now is one of them. When God first started putting on my, my, my mind and my heart about surrendering to preach, I thought, uh, uh, I rebuke Jesus. 
Instead of saying, be it far from thee, I said, be it far from me. I ain't getting nothing bunch in front of people. I don't even like people. I can't do that. I can't even look nobody in the eye when I get on the school bus. You'd have thought God would have waited until I was like 25 where I could have handled the trauma. Say amen. But I knew when I was a teenager what God was wanting me to do. And I was scared to death. So how are we thinking, guys? When that tragedy does come, when that problem does come, when that fiery furnace does come, are we thinking like the people who bowed or are we thinking like the three Hebrew children and said, if this is what God wants, this is what God wants. I know I'm preaching some hard stuff this morning. I, I know that. There's no question about it. Because saying, hey, it's more about God than it is about me. That when these tragedies come or these difficulties come or these problems come or these situations come, these things that are grieving my heart or these things that's breaking me down, uh, listen, God has a plan. And I guarantee you this, and, and please, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it will change your whole perspective, and when you change your perspective, it'll change your attitude, and when it changes your attitude, it will change your whole outlook, and when your outlook changes, it changes your joy, you will have more joy, but when you see the hand of God in every single situation that you face, it will change how you think about it, when you know that the God in heaven, your heavenly Father, He loves you beyond what you could ever imagine, and He loves you way too much to hurt you now he may allow us to go through a painful situation but as a father he knows what's best how many how many of you how many of you ever took your kids to get a shot how many regretted it how many how many fathers put that on your mothers after that one experience Actually, I didn't really put it on Tammy. She just wouldn't let me go no more. <laughs> when, when that child is looking up at you with them eyes and they're welling up with tears and them eyes are saying, how could you let this happen to me? Are y'all with me? Man, you want to, I'll be honest with you, I about got real with the doctor, say man. Tammy could see it welling up in me. She said, get out of here. But see, our Father knows what's best. He'll never, this is so good, He will never allow you to go through a situation where He's not controlling every element of it. Sometimes the potter has to put the vase in the kiln to harden the vase and make it beautiful, but his hand is always on the thermostat. You see, we get in trouble. We get in trouble when God goes to asking hard stuff from us because Satan's always influenced us, wanting us to think selfishly and wanting us to think it's about us. But then, then we have desires that are not right. We have our own plans. We have our own designs and we have our own desires. And we haven't even considered to ask God about it. When watch this, 
when God's plans are always better than our own. Number two, write this down. Not only do we see the problem, identify it, but write this down. Let me see what I put. We see a pattern specified. He said, look, guys, and by the way, this is universal. This is universal because he said, if any man, it don't matter who they are. It don't matter who they are. If you're going to follow Jesus, now it's not just about going to heaven, guys. Up, up in the balcony, everybody, I hope everybody gets this. this. This whole thing that we're doing right here, this whole church stuff that we're doing and trying to accomplish, it's not just to punch our ticket to glory. There's a whole lot more to it than just going to heaven. There's a whole lot more to it than just not going to hell. Y'all with me? It's about following Jesus. Jesus did not save us just to keep us out of hell. He saved us to conform us to his image and to bring us into a place of discipleship where we are following the Lord. Are y'all with me? He says, listen, if any man will come after me, he'll have to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We may not get to the last part, but you've got to get this part. You've got to get this part. There is a pattern that Jesus is trying to explain to them, saying, listen, it's not always about touchdown and cheerleaders. It's not always cupcakes and cream. This Christian walk that we have, it's not always a bed of roses. Yes, there'll be mountaintop experiences. Yes, you will see God's provision as he fed the 5,000. Yes, you'll see miracle after miracle. Yes, you'll see God's blessings and God's power and experience God's presence and have wonderful times of worship. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you now, there will be times of difficulty. There will be valleys that we'll have to go through. There'll be hills that we'll have to climb. There'll be tough things and hard things. There'll be things that we'll have to go through that will cause tears to fall off of our face. But God is still good. Listen, the first thing we have to do is deny our self. There is self-denial required. If you don't learn to deny yourself, I promise you the next tragedy will sink your ship. You will be just like Peter and say it far from thee. You'll be wanting to rebuke God. You'll be angry at God. How many people have come and and confessed the Lord and then a tragedy happened and they get out of church and they blame the Sunday school teacher, they blame the preacher, they blame God, they're mad, they're bitter, they're angry, and they're just saying, God, but you know why? Because it was all about the healing but not about the sacrifice. And God is saying this, if you're going to follow me, Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, it first takes self-denial. A man must deny himself. Now, let me explain that. I want everybody to get this because some people have a, a misunderstanding of what denial means. I, some people have this idea that denial means you can't never have nothing. That's what, if you want a candy bar, nope, deny yourself. Now, some of us need to do that right there, Amen. I want something new. Nope, deny yourself. Or I want a, 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 a bigger house or a or, 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 or better vehicle or, or whatever. Uh, nope, deny myself, deny myself. Nope, nope, God says I must deny everything. Uh, no, if that was the case, you'd be walking around in sandals in a toga, toga. Say amen. That's not what he's talking about. What it means is to be fully surrendered to what God wants in your life. To deny yourself means this, Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
Paul said it this way, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is he saying? Be totally sold out. Be totally sold. Listen, surrender to God. Say, God, whatever you want, wherever you want, with whatever, whatever God, I'm in. If you want me to preach, if you want me to teach, if you want me to be a plumber, if you want me to be a lawyer, a doctor, a car salesman, if you want me to, to build houses, God, whatever it is you want, I'm in. That's what it means to deny yourself. I wanted to be a veterinarian. I did. I wanted to be a veterinarian. I, I watched my dad pastor all them years, and I love dogs. I just, I've always loved dogs. I mean, it's always, and I wanted to be a veterinarian. I wanted to fix up animals. Say amen. And God says, no, I want you to do this. And I tell you, I had to surrender that and let that go and come do that. And, and listen, uh, there, God knows. God knows. What desire is keeping you from being fully surrendered to God? Because I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, I cannot imagine my life doing anything different than what I'm doing right now. I, I get more fulfillment, I get more joy out of doing what I'm doing right now than anything I've ever done in my life. And you know who knew that when I was 13 years old? The Lord did. But until I was willing to deny self, it wasn't going to happen. Now, some of you need to sit down a minute and say, God, I've been running the show way too long. You need, I know it's a country song, but you need to say, Jesus, take the wheel. And you don't need to wait till you're on an icy road. You need to say, Jesus, take the wheel while you're sitting in the garage. Too many of you use Jesus as a spare tire. You need to use him as the steering wheel. What is the pattern Jesus said? Deny yourself. Unless a man will deny himself, he, he, you know, he cannot be my disciple. He says that in Luke 14. But he says this, deny himself. Watch this here. Take up his cross. Watch this. Take up his, take up his cross and follow me. Did you notice Jesus didn't say take up my cross? I, there's been false teaching there's been false teaching most of my life. I've heard evangelists come in and say, you know, and people talk that difficult things is your cross. Arthritis, that's just the cross I had to bear. Some, oh, my husband, that's just my cross I have to bear, you know. No, that's not what that means. What does it mean? In order to understand what that means, you've got to understand what Jesus said about it. When they were interrogating him, he said, for this cause came I into the world. He said, for this reason was I born. What? The cross. John even testified to the fact when he baptized him. He said, look, behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. What is he saying? He was destined to go to the cross. It was his purpose to die on the cross. 
It was his destiny to hang on that cross. Yes, he healed blinded eyes, but that's not why it came. Yes, he healed lame legs, but that's not why it came. Yes, he walked on water, but that's not why it came. Yes, he fed thousands, but that's not why it came. Yes, he raised the dead, but that was not his primary purpose. His primary purpose was to be the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. He was to be the sacrifice that would wash all of our sins away. Jesus is saying, I came for the cross. I was born for the cross. It was my destiny to die on that cross. Now, what is Jesus saying now about you carrying your cross? You have a destiny. You have a purpose. God didn't just throw us out there and say, hmm. He created you with a divine purpose. He put everything in you. He designed you the way you are. You're, hey, I, I loved it. I seen a, a, a cat the other day that said, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. And I don't care what you think about yourself. Let me tell you what God thinks about you. He created you. He designed you with a purpose. Ephesians chapter number 4 says he has gifted every single human being, every one of them, to use that gift for his glory. The question is, are you? Eyes quiet. You see, if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to deny self. But then we're going to have to pursue our destiny. What did Paul say? I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I Say it with me. I, I, you know what he's saying? I'm pursuing my destiny. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. I'm going after I'm going after what's been after me. Are y'all with me? Let me give you the last one. I'm not supposed to. I'm supposed to quit, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. The problem that's identified. What was B? Or number two? The pattern that was specified. Jesus clearly specified the pattern. We're, We're not only to confess him, we're to follow him. God doesn't just want you to be saved. He wants you to be sanctified and serving. Say amen. Now lastly, write this down. I want you to see the principle that's clarified. Two principles he gives us in 25 and 26. Verse 25. Watch this. Watch this. Jesus just got through saying, look, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Be fully surrendered to me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Then he says this. For whosoever shall save his life, for whosoever shall save his life shall. Now guess what? There's a ton of people in this room right now, and everybody get me. I'm almost done. Don't let me. Don't let I, you're getting sleepy. Come on, wake up, wake up, pinch your neighbor. <clears throat> Come on, look at me, look at me. Some of you are trying so hard to keep what you want. When God is telling you what he wants. And what you don't even realize it, that it's like sand going through your fingers. That when you live an unsurrendered life, when you're trying your best to, I want what I want, the whole time is going through your fingers. In other words, he that tries to save what he wants instead of what God wants, it says you shall... But watch this. But if you give it up and say, God, it's not about me. 
It's not about what I want. It's not about what I desire. He said, it's yours, God. Then guess what you're going to find? Something bigger than you can handle. He that gives it up for my sake shall. I wonder how many of you in this building today is tired of it slipping through your hands. You've been struggling, and the harder you work, the less you get. And the more you struggle, the more it goes through your fingers. Because you're still trying to do it your way. You're still not letting go and letting God. You see, there's a principle of life. The principle of life is this. If in order to receive, you've got to give. In order to live, you've got to die. In order to go up, you've got to go down. He that humbles himself in the, in the... Listen, I will exalt, God said. See, that's the principle of life. But some of us are trying so hard to hold on to something that's just going through our fingers. Then lastly, not only the principle of life, but write this down, the principle of loss. Say that with me. The principle of... Say it with me. The principle of loss. He said, what shall it profit a man? What shall it profit a man? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Let me ask you a question. What good is it going to do you if you gain every dime that this world has to offer? You buy everything that there is to buy. You go do everything there is to do. You go see everything there is to see. And at the end of your 70 to 80 to 90, maybe 100 year old life, your soul goes to hell for eternity. What good did you getting your way do for you? Frank Sinatra said, I did it my way. He did. But I promise you, according to his testimony and his life, I don't know who saved or not. I don't know if he was saved or not. I'm telling you this, if he truly did it his way, He's regretting it now. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but it leadeth to death. I'm here to tell you, and I'm here to challenge you today. Let's totally surrender to God. Let's totally say this. This is the, this is the invitation right here. I'm inviting you to say, it's not my life, Lord, it's yours. You gave me life. I'm crucified with Christ. Now the life I live, it's Christ that liveth in me. It's not about me anymore. And I'm telling you this, guys. I'm telling you, I promise you this. By, by, not, not, because, not because of something I've read in a book. It's something I've experienced this week, what we've gone through this week. I know without a shadow of a doubt, when you put your faith in Christ and you let him live it and you let him lead it, it changes the way you think about everything. God's in charge. I'm not worried a bit. I don't, I don't want nobody feeling sorry for me. Please don't do that. I, and I appreciate your prayers and all that kind of stuff. But I'm here to tell you, God's been doing some crazy things this week. God is in charge. God has been good to us. He is leading in an awesome way. And I just want to stand and praise God that even in a, in a difficult time, God has showed himself real. Now, here's the thing. You're either, you're either fixing to go in a valley you're either in a valley or you're coming out of a valley. 
No matter what, if you're in that place, if you will change your perspective and let God lead and do what He wants, even if it's hard, you will see God like you've never seen Him before. But not until you say, it's not my life, it's yours. Say it with me. It's not, it's, say it with me again, it's, and all God's people say it. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy.